Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, July 9th, 2021. Well, welcome to Revival from the Bible from Ignite. Uh, Ignite 2021 has officially begun. That is our summer camp for our middle school and high school students here at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley. And we are so excited about what God is going to do over the next few days in the lives of these young men and women. And so I want to invite you over these next few days to pray for us, um, to pray for God to work in the lives of these young people, that they would get their hearts captivated by the gospel, that they would turn from their sin, put their faith in Christ, and that they would be a generation that is serious about pursuing godliness. Our theme for the week is training for the ultimate prize. All the competitions with, with the camp this week have an Olympics theme. So we're going to talk about what does it mean to train yourself for godliness. So I want you to pray for the camp this week. And I also want to just ask for your patience. You're going to be uh, hearing some camp noises in the background as we record this week where we're doing everything up here at camp. And so you're going to hear some excitement at points or just some conversation right now in the background. You can probably hear the students, the teams have just got here. I'm recording this on Thursday night and the teams are making their team flags right now. That'll be a key part of the competition all week. And tonight, the first message, we're really talking about how this race that they are being called to run of the Christian life is a race that has a lot of opposition. And we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3 verses 12 through 17, which begins by saying, hey, if you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. And we want to prepare these young men and women for the future that they face. And we want to be right up front. Hey, if you want to follow Jesus, it's going to be intense and you will be opposed. And so that's what we're talking about on night one. But again, I want to invite you to pray for this camp and pray that God would raise up a generation that is following Christ, that is seeking Christ, that is serious about pursuing godliness. And so even as we think about this new generation and praying that they get raised up, I want us to think today as we open up God's word together about the people that Jesus called to follow him. As we look at Luke chapter 5 at verses 1 through 11, and here we see Jesus calling some of his first disciples. And we see glimpses of uh, different calls, the call of different disciples throughout the Gospels. But here we see Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he comes across this man named Simon, who will, we know, be called Peter. And uh, Simon has been fishing all night and caught nothing. And in verse 4, Jesus says to Simon, put out into the deep and let out your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. I, I'm really curious when we get to the, you know, uh, the, the, the heaven YouTube room or whatever that's going to look like, if we can kind of see and see what some of these moments were like. I, I'd like to know what the tone of Peter's voice was as he says that, you know, is he genuine? Is he showing faith in Christ there? Or is it, uh, but at your word, I'll put down the nets. I, I don't know. 
But when he does put down the nets, they get so many fish that the net was breaking and their partners in the other boat have to come and help. But I really want us to notice verse eight, where it says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And so that's just so interesting to read that even though Jesus had, hasn't said anything in this passage to him outside of, hey, put down your nets. What Peter jumps to is, hey, get, get away because I am a sinful man. That's an amazing statement. And I, it made me think of the call of Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he sees the Lord seated on the throne and the angels flying around singing, holy, holy, holy. He comes to a very similar conclusion. I am a sinful man. Specifically, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. But then this passage ends with Jesus explaining that not only is Peter going to follow Christ, he's going to share the same mission uh, where he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And so I want us to think about that for all of us, to be like Isaiah or like Peter, people that would follow Christ, but also be his messengers, which if you are a believer, God is calling you in some way to relay the message of the gospel. As you think about all of these things, I think one key component of preparation is having an awareness of your own sin. And I think that's vital for many reasons. I think one, it will make us appreciate the gospel, right? How are we going to be a be committed to sharing the gospel if we're not excited about the gospel? And how are we going to be excited about the gospel if we don't see it for how beautiful it is because we see our own need for it? Without understanding that I am a great sinner who has a great savior, how effective are we really going to be in ministry? I think this thought will also keep us humble in ministry. Uh, that we will not uh, be so high and mighty or speak down to people as we fish for men uh, because we have a humility that, you know what, I'm a sinner and I needed a savior. And, you know, these people are sinners, but I'm not just up on my high horse speaking down to them. No, I'm, I'm trying to point them to the same savior that, that has revealed himself to me. And so just as you, you think about those things, think about that necessary component, that awareness of sin. Have you felt that awareness of sin? Do you even today have an awareness of your own sin in the light of God's holiness and power? And does that awareness kind of fuel, man, I have a great savior. That is a message worth sharing. And I want you to pray for these young people up at uh, this camp and just be praying for God to work in their own hearts and realizing that a part of that is some of these young men and women that need to, for the first time in their lives, have a real awareness of their sin and a real admission that they need a savior. And that's one thing we'll be talking about tonight on Friday night. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 7 and the narrow gate and the broad way. And really one of the things about the narrow gate that I think is so hard for people to enter and to walk that narrow road is that there has to be that admission, I need a savior. The, the broad road says, hey, you're good. You're all right. The narrow road says, no, you're a sinner but you and you need a savior. And so even specifically pray that for our young men and women and pray that really for ourselves and that God would use us. 
Next, let's go to Galatians chapter 4 and verses 12 through 31. And here we're going to, you know, see some things that get us thinking about that gospel message that we are called to proclaim. And we see him talking about just his own ministry and how apparently there was some kind of weakness that, that caused him to share with them. But you also see his passion. Uh, look at verse 19. He says, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, I don't personally know anything about the anguish of childbirth, but I have now been able to witness it four times as my wife has given birth to our four children. And you know what? It doesn't really look fun to me. I'm I'm okay with the deal I got and my end of that arrangement and me just kind of being the cheerleader there in the delivery room. But there is anguish involved. And there's anguish involved in ministry. And I want you to think about that uh, just as you do ministry. If you think it's just going to be easy to be a fisher of men, no. Uh, And that's where maybe, you know, we can't press every metaphor in scripture. Because, you know, when I think of fishers, you know, here in Idaho, I think a lot of them, you know, it's supposed to be something that's relaxing, that's enjoyable, that's that's fun. Uh, maybe the fishers of men we need to think about are kind of those deep sea fishers out in the, 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 the turbulent waves trying to get those fish, right? Or we need to think about ministry being like a woman giving birth and the anguish that is involved. And I even want you to put some of that angst really even into your prayers for Ignite uh, this this weekend, and prayers also for your local church, prayers for your own evangelistic efforts, and people that you are sharing with, or some of you, it might even be your own kids that you are seeking to, to share the good news of the gospel with. But we see that as just a great example of Paul, but then we get more back into the message, and he uses this comparison of the, the sons that were born to Abraham, the son that wasn't of promise, Hagar, and then the son of promise that came through Sarah. And again, it's just a reminder that of really the gospel and the freedom that is ours through the gospel. And he'll unpack what that freedom means really in the next chapter. Well, next, let's go to everybody's favorite part of the Bible, genealogies, as we look at First Chronicles 4 through 6. And again, I want to encourage you to read this and to Try to pick out something each day. Uh, but even as we think about these readings today, notice at the beginning, uh, really some things that stood out to me is chapter 5. And it talks about the descendants of Reuben and Gad and Manasseh. Now, unless you've got a study Bible, one thing you probably won't pick up. But if you remember, when we read through um, the, the conquest, remember there are two and a half tribes that say, hey, you know this other side of the Jordan River? It's okay. We'd like to live here. And they make that deal where we'll go in and we'll fight and we'll conquer the land and then we will go back. Well, we we learned some things about those tribes. One, we were reminded that Reuben is the firstborn of Israel. He, He was the firstborn of Jacob and of the tribes of Israel. But Jesus is the lion of the tribe of, uh, not Reuben, Judah. So how is it that the line of the Messiah doesn't end up going through Jacob's firstborn? Well, it explains that even though he was the firstborn, verse 1 of chapter 5, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he could not be enrolled as the oldest son. Though Judah became strong among his brothers and a chief came from him, 
yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. So there it talks about Judah being strong and a ruler coming through him, but not through Reuben because really of some kind of sexual immorality. And so there's a warning from Reuben about the consequences of sin. And then I think we also uh, see at the end of chapter five, how this tribe, it says, but they broke faith in verse 25, with the God of their fathers and whored after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. And so then they were sent into exile. And really those two and a half tribes that lived on the other side of the Jordan, it doesn't seem to go well with them. I think there is some lesson of them not really going in and taking advantage of the promised land, but settling for something less. And spiritually, that had negative consequences for them. So there's one thing we can learn from chapter five today as we read through those genealogies. And next we go to Psalm 80 and we wrap up this Psalm. Again, the context of this Psalm seems to be in destruction and judgment, but in the midst of that, there is a prayer for revival. And you see that prayer even at the end in the last verse, verse 19, where it says, restore us, O Lord God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. And you see that in the context of really they have burned this vine of of Israel. We've experienced judgment. Um, But in verse 17, it says, But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself, and that we should not turn back. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. And again, we talk about how that is a great prayer for our nation. And I would encourage you, make that your prayer this weekend for Ignite. Uh, Spend some time, spend some spiritual energy, pour some angst into praying for these young men and women as we prepare and as we dig into God's word together up here at Ignite. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.